Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. Before we start, we just want to introduce you to our sponsor. Our sponsor is the Twitter handle, at MugsNFL. They're a company that offer a range of custom items, such as mugs, t-shirts, crewneck jumpers and hoodies. All customised with your favourite sports player or your sports team. That can be any sport, ranging from the NFL through to the NBA to UK sports. All you have to do for an extra 10% off your order is drop them a message on Twitter quoting our podcast that is the hardwood hoops podcast and now get 10 percent off your next order cheers and enjoy the show Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 19 of the Hardwood Hoops podcast. I'm joined by a refreshed Ben Jones. Hello. Hi mate, how was your uh, little time away? Yeah, very nice, thank you. Weather could have been a bit better, but you know, it was Wales, so what do you expect? <laughs> true, very true. What we're kind of uh, forced into now with the COVID still going on. A lot of British holidays going around. <laughs> yeah, everybody's buzzing about that. Yeah, definitely. Well, welcome back, everyone. We've had, um, I think we worked out it was 12 days off since the last one was released. Uh, both of us have been on holiday and had a nice little break. And we've also had a little bit of a gap, didn't we, Ben, where we kind of chose not to record yeah. uh, after the NBA boycott, which we'll go and talk about in a minute. So we've had a nice little break, but rearing to go again. Yeah, so good to be back. It feels like so long since we recorded one. Yeah, I know. We were uh, whacking out two a week for like five weeks at one point and then uh, I had nearly two weeks off it's just like what's going on I'm missing the podcast yeah we know when to have a break right in the middle of the playoffs yeah we'll record when there's no basketball and then right in the middle <laughs> of the playoffs blame our uh, wives slash families for our pre-booked holidays falling at the wrong date that they had no idea would fall during the NBA playoffs how dare they <laughs> I know I know right um, cool let's go straight into it then um so, first of all, kind of before we touch on any of the basketball stuff, we both wanted to address the um, Black Lives Matter movement and the whole NBA boycott. Obviously, I'm sure everybody who listens to this podcast knows what happened. Obviously, the Bucks led the charge in terms of boycotting their game five, I believe it was, against the Magic, um, trying to speak to the commissioner, I think, and the uh, local politician in terms of uh, the incident that happened in Wisconsin the, day be- uh, the week before. Uh, ben, that kind of led to the whole league shutting down um, with the players not wanting to play. Um, some of the teams obviously also wanted to boycott before this and the Bucks kind of not gave them courage, but the Bucks kind of led the way. Mm. What was your initial thoughts on, A, obviously what, what went down, the way it all happened and obviously how proud you are of the players for sticking to their guns and not just playing when maybe they didn't want to play? Yeah. Yeah, the first rumblings I heard of it were meant to be that first game in the Toronto Boston series, but the Bucks stepped up and took it upon themselves. You know, something drastic like that happening in their home state, they and they want action. They want to be heard. They want something to happen. So I can't commend them enough on the work they're doing. We said all along that <clears throat> this is a a platform for them to use and to be heard with this Black Lives Matter movement, and they're using it. And it's great that. Not only did they manage to to sort of speak to their local governors and stuff, and and try and start getting the ball rolling on 
whatever it is that needs to happen to to stop these horrible incidences happening. But the players took it upon themselves to you know get together and have a meeting, which the, the it was the Lakers and the Clippers, weren't they? Were fully prepared to just cut season there, just stop it completely, and get out and you know do more protesting and and take action into their own hands. But they managed to get all the owners together as well, didn't they? And and get them on board because they're all multi-billionaires that obviously have their hands in the pockets of all the politicians. So they're the ones that are going to really get the ball rolling on, on the change that needs to happen. So the the players, the NBA players and the league itself are just really showing their true colours. And it's, it's an incredibly supportive league. And I'm so glad that this is a sport that I follow and, and, love with a passion because it's rewarding when you see stuff like this i don't know what what's your take on on it a bit in a bit more detail yeah i agree i think it's very rare and um more of a corporate world to be honest take even support out of it and a lot more things are money oriented now aren't they power oriented and that's kind of fed through to sport um Obviously, we're a British-based NBA podcast, and the main sport, even though Ben loves rugby, is uh, football in England, and that gets a lot of stick for being so money-focused. And I know, obviously, the NBA had to return financially for the league, but it's very clear that the players and some of the owners and the general managers and the coaches, they're much more focused on things aside from money and from playing basketball. There's a lot more things that mean a lot to them, and I just think that's fair play to the league, and it just highlights how good the NBA is. Um and also, like you said, um, the Clippers and Lakers were prepared to, to obviously leave the bubble, which just shows even more strength. Um, but I actually like the fact, obviously, we're biased and we wanted it to carry on. But I think if they would have left, they would have found a way for it to all carry on anyway. But I think it's quite good that they could all sleep on it, come yeah. back together the next day with more coaches. Doc Rivers was invited to that players-only meeting to do a speech. They spoke to, obviously, Barack Obama. We've heard that Michael Jordan, obviously, as an ex-player, the most famous ex-player, who's also an owner, was very key in linking the two sides together. And it's very good that not cool heads can prevail, but that they can actually take more information. And it's a very intelligent decision, isn't it, to go away, take more information and come back and make an informed decision. That That's the key. Yeah, that most people or teams at the bubble obviously agreed with, which was good. Um, yeah, and I just think it's very special to see how determined they were to make sure they made changes. Um, obviously, we've already heard of a couple of the changes in terms of um, speaking to governors. Obviously, they've spoken to people in the police force trying to get certain police officers arrested. Um, they've managed to get all the NBA teams to confer- commit to some sort of polling station at the arenas for all the teams. Obviously, yep. Toronto don't apply because they're not part of the US election. Um and a couple of the teams actually aren't allowed to, which when you read into it, it's nuts. They're not allowed to have polling stations or they can only have polling stations four weeks before for early ballots and some crazy state rules that basically just governed by that state. But each yeah. team have said, even if we have to adjust it, for example, and maybe oh, make our training facility a polling station for one week and then this for another week, they've all committed to some action on that, which is the most important thing. People need to vote and to make those changes. And obviously they've committed financially as well. They've already done that, but obviously now they've kind of sped that process up for the teams and the the league to try and put more money into like local causes. And they're trying to make more change on a local level because it's so hard to make national changes that a lot of the problems in America seem to be very localized. So I think it's special for all the teams to get involved with their community. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't think we see it enough in other sports, I'd say. But um, And last day, I'd just like to say, obviously, from both of us, I know obviously they're not going to be listening, but big shout out to the family of Jacob Blake, the the, uh, the guy who was yeah. shot by the police that kind of, I know it didn't start all this because this has been rumbling on, but it was another iron in the fire that kind of led the players to say, hang on, this is still happening. We haven't had enough action. We want more action. We want more action for Jacob Blake's family, obviously the Bucks especially. Um, so big shout out to them and obviously to anyone that's been affected by this because we're from obviously little old England in a very small area where me and Ben both live and it's very different to the lives that some of these people in America have and just a big shout out to all of them really. I don't know if um, if you're if anyone out there follows Shannon Sharp on sort of social media on Instagram and Twitter and stuff but he's been putting up some really good comparisons between the way situations are dealt with with the police and depending on what's at fault and who's at fault and things like that it's it's a real eye-opener because we just we're so sheltered here we don't experience anything on that scale in particular us where we live so you know like we've said all along we're just trying to get educated on it and take the right steps in our lives and hopefully that ripples out and causes some positive effects elsewhere who knows but that's the first step is that that education yeah definitely i think education and awareness is so important and obviously a lot of the players share important things and obviously just a lot of the things that come up so the nba players teams asking for voting at their arenas led me to read an article which said all these crazy voting rules that i didn't even know existed in america and i just think everything they're doing is just shining a light on all the problems and you could see from players such like jamal murray the other night when he uh, had his 50 game there interviewing him and obviously he was getting so emotional about police brutality and about Brown Taylor um Jacob Blake and it's just like you can just see how much it means to them and I think it's very special that they've come together as a unit as well as a one league and tried to make a positive change and I just think this is going to carry on all the way through to next season and beyond now I just think it's going to be a catalyst for constant change and awareness and obviously I know the NBA can't do everything but I think they're going to try their damn hardest to try and do as much as they can, which is good. Good for us as fans as well. Yeah, 100%. I, this could so easily sort of digress into a politically sort of a political chat show right now, but um, yeah, I'd just end it on the vote, fact Vote that, Trump out. <laughs> well, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Let's all agree on that now. Yeah, I think that's our views anyway. And if anyone doesn't agree with us, then you can have your own views. But I think that's both yeah, of our views. And it seems to be the large majority of NBA players, uh, at least. And I know there's a bit of an issue with some of the NBA owners helping the players, but also contributing to Trump's campaign. But that's just politics, isn't it? Everyone supports who they want to support. And whoever yeah. people think, whether it's in America or England, whoever you want to vote for, that's you've got to do it. You've just got to vote and make a change. And LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes doing their vote for change initiative i think that was one of the yeah one of the first things me and you even spoke about on this topic obviously after the killings and the like the emotional side and the actual incidents that have happened obviously we've all heard and spoke about them but when you realize some of the vote for change initiatives and the lack of voting in america compared to even our country i think we just realized how crucial it is and it helped us learn more about the subject i think yeah i think that's just it's it's such a huge country that are trying to have a centralised government, but yet every single state has their own set of rules and their own set of... And it's just so disjointed. And I think that's what's really showing now that as a 
as a nation, as a country, they are very much disjointed and there needs to be blanket changes across everywhere in that country and everyone needs to pull together and work together for this change to be effective and consistent and work. So mm -hmm. hopefully that'll all come in the very near future with the NBA, like you said, being the catalyst for that. So keep it up, guys. Yeah, definitely. And I think our promise of the podcast is also try and share education on the matter and our beliefs and we'll both always try and learn and we'll never shy away from talking about things like this because even if one person reads an article or goes onto someone's page and sees a video and educates themselves or changes the way they think on something, then we've all made a positive impact. So yes. I think that'll be our promise going forward. Yes. Um, cool. Moving on from that, um, obviously, before we move on, sorry, obviously we did see the return of basketball, which is good for us as a podcast, as basketball yeah. fans. Um, and going forward, I think we're going to see some good basketball thanks to these players. Um, but before we move on to the actual series, uh, just a final bit of uh, bit of news. Obviously, we had a podcast booked with Joe Herbert, who's um, a bit of an NBA analyst from the UK, does a lot of stuff for the Timberwolves and for the Mavs. Uh, we cancelled that podcast due to the boycott um, and it's going to be rearranged. I know a couple of you are really excited to hear that. So we're going to get Joe back on next this week or next week or the week after nice. once our schedules align and uh, talk some probably round two matchups, I imagine, which Love will be it. fun. Uh, cool. All right, then. Well, let's go on to it, Ben. Let's go with, it's been so long, <laughs> let's go with back to our round one series. Uh, we'll try and whiz through some of these. Um, yeah. We've spoken about some of them quite a lot before game five, six, and seven happened. Um, so we'll whiz through it, go through the East first. We've got three sweeps, Ben. We've got Raptors Nets, Celtic 76ers, and Heat Pacers. Uh, they're all sweeps. We predicted, I predicted two sweeps. You predicted two sweeps, different sweeps. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. so yeah, we're pretty much spot on. There was no big, big shocks in any of those games, and those teams all look strong. I think. Yeah, um, the the Nets were were so plucky in that series with the Raptors and kept it close. And fair play to them. But ultimately, the the Raptors were always coming out there, weren't they? The Celtics. Yeah dismantled the 76ers yeah the, the Celtics looked very very good I think we both said before didn't we that the Raptors and Celtics were the most impressive teams probably in the east in the in the uh, seeding games but I think when you saw the playoffs so far the Celtics have been the, the shining team I think in the east from my opinion anyway yeah they're, they're they seem to just be stepping up every game and uh we'll get onto the round two stuff soon but they they were phenomenal in that series i thought philly might be able to pull themselves together and get one or two but pff, they're an absolute no. train wreck of a team at the moment yeah and on that note obviously um we're adding a bit of news in some of these series but uh brett brown has since been fired by the organization and elton brand has been kept but he might move roles and he's going to be part of a complete the words were organization overhaul um in terms of recruitment and scouting and personnel department uh and we spoke about this on whatsapp didn't we ben neither of us were, were at all shocked um probably no. thought it was going to happen within hours after that game four to be honest definitely and i think was it elton brand doubled down on, on on the fact that uh ben simmons and joel Embiid, neither of them are on the trade block and they they want to build around them still which yeah, they, that's correct yeah he did say that straight away as well yeah, it is a big statement. I think 
we've said before that they might struggle to build around both of them because of their lack of assets and they might have to move one to try and actually improve quicker. Yeah. Uh, but I can see why you wouldn't want to move two all-stars with that huge potential. But he, I think his words were, we need to build the correct team around them. I think that was the phrase he used. And that's going to be harder with the contracts in that team. But I think they, they need some big changes, don't they? I'd quite like to see just a small run of games where Joel Embiid doesn't play and Ben Simmons is back and just to see the way the team clicks differently. And then I think that will help make a bit more of an informed decision which way you should potentially start building. But, uh, <laughs> I think we know which way you would want them to build then. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, ideally, you could say, I'll oh, trade every other player apart from Simmons and Embiid. But as a podcast, we both know that that's not going to be realistic. So no. I think we just see the fact that it could get to a point where you need to move one of them on or else you could just be stuck in purgatory for ages with the amount of money they've both got on their contracts. Oh, they're they're just so heavily invested in this team and it's not working. So I, God knows what they're going to do with it. Let's move on from them. Oh, as I say, have you heard any names and have you got any names on who you think might get the coaching role? Obviously, we're going to do another podcast about all the um, with a topic about all the uh, empty vacancies because there's loads of head coaching spots now yeah. available. But um, have you got any quick ideas on seventy sixes who you think could could be a, an idea? Uh, Ty Lue always keeps rearing his head in all these conversations um, but I haven't had my ear to the ground on this one yeah true Ty Lue does come up a lot especially with the whole two star thing with the yeah. Kyrie and um, LeBron year because uh, I think it was only one year wasn't it but um, yeah I'm not sure a lot of people think they need experience and obviously you've got people like Nate McMillan now on the chopping block you've got Mark Jackson Jeff Van Gundy there's a lot of options out there. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure going with a young coach is right for that team personally. But not saying who they should go for, but personally, I think they need experience. Yeah, someone that can rein and bead ego in. Um, <laughs> UK 76ers fans are going to hate this podcast because they, they think we hate and bead too much. But we don't hate and bead, but he's not a I don't hate that's, him. That's he just our, that's our issue. tries to cash a lot of checks. So. She's the knees can't handle <laughs> no no he played I, I well in fairness in that series he's just like we said he, he played well a, though didn't he not a superstar. that's it he played well he's not he didn't play like a superstar but you could have played better than Tobias Harris but, to be fair so I understand that you didn't have a lot to go with <laughs> no 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 he was very short handed he was he was um Cool. All right. So moving on from the uh, 76ers Celtic series and the Raptors Nets, uh, another sweep was the Heat Pacers. I think we both had, I had a sweep, you had 4 1 or maybe four, vice versa. Yeah. yeah. Um, it came evident, didn't it, after game one and two that, and to be honest, the seeding games that Oladipo wasn't quite his regular self. Um, and Jimmy Butler was phenomenal once again. And Bam Adebayo, like we've said many times, those two mm. are just so good. They're true all stars, I think. This Heat team just seems so deep. I, I keep seeing their rotations and stuff, and like every player they bring on the floor, I'm like, yes, going to make a big contribution. It's not mm. like there's not minute fillers. Everybody's putting time in, effort in, whether it is defensively or offensively, or whether they're just like putting it, getting assists or whatever it is, whatever it is they need to do as a team, they're pulling together really, really well. Um, I thought Oladipo slowly got 
a bit more back to himself towards the end when he had to because nobody else was really contributing. But mm-hmm. it's still not all-star calibre. Yeah, uh, not the level we were used to seeing last season, especially, I think. Yeah, and I think I said to you before, like I, I know the, the Pacers coach got fired and I... For me, that was a bit unexpected because I don't know what else you expected as a Pacer and as a Pacers fan. Like they, they had some serious injuries throughout the season. They've gone in shorthanded. They've made it into the playoffs at a good seed with essentially a first-time All-Star and some some good pieces. And all right, you got swept by the Heat, but the Heat, like we said, are a very dangerous playoff team. So. For me, I thought the Pacers are on track to sort of kick on from here. And I thought if they'd kept the core and kept the coaching team, kept everybody together, they could have really kicked on. But obviously my view isn't shared. I know you you thought slightly differently. Yeah, I just thought that, um, I think, I can't remember if it's two or three, I think first round exits with him as coach. Right. and allegedly the report I read was that the Pacers were frustrated that he didn't scheme up a modern offense and they played very slowly. Uh, yeah. And that was highlighted in the in the Heat series because of how quick they play and how, obviously, like Ben said, they're very offensively gifted. They've got options all over the place. Uh, so, yeah, I personally just found them hard to watch. So when I read an article that said that apparently the reason he was fired was because the owners thought offensively that it was like, a very old scheme and it wasn't modern enough to win basketball games. I could see that because watching them, I think well, we said many times, didn't we? That to get, I know they're missing players, but to generate offense looked like a struggle. Yes. Um, so I could see why they did it. Um, they've got Jerry Stackhouse, uh, Becky Hammond uh, and Mark, D- Mike D'Antoni uh, heavy linked. And it was the D'Antoni one, wasn't it? I think that I messaged you to say, allegedly if the Rockets fired D'Antoni at some stage, the Pacers basically that's who they want it's like a done deal like if he's available he's like they're going to pay him as much as he wants and you could see what the what if you look at it from that side sorry you can see what the franchise wants because how offensively gifted is he as a coach he schemes up yeah. weird and wonderful offenses whether we like them at Houston or not but he generates an offense that gets points um and a lot of points and obviously he's not uh adverse to modern day basketball because he's changed his whole system basically to just shoot loads of threes because that's what the analytics department told him to do. And I think when I just heard that that's who they wanted, it made sense to me why they would go. And obviously Becky Hammond as well. That's such a forward thinking move. If anyone goes with that move, obviously as a franchise, they're going to be lauded upon. So I can see why maybe they'd want to do that. But yeah, it's a tough series. We both thought the whole time that the Heat would just be too good offensively, but in the end, I think their defense was even better as well than the Pacers. And yeah. your mate Miles Turner didn't turn up as much as uh, he he said he would. Yeah, well, that was the thing, isn't it? He, again, kept giving it the big one, saying he's this great defensive player, and there were flashes at times, but it's just not consistent enough yet for him to be even in the conversation for like a defensive player of the year. No, I think, I know it's not the same as 76ers, but I think you've got to trade him. A lot of people say he doesn't play well with Sabonis, and I yeah. think Sabonis is so good and more suited to modern-day basketball offensively that if you want to swap to this offensive style as a franchise, I think you should cash in on Miles Turner while you can. Miles mm-hmm. Turner needs to be like a like the Lakers have got like a JaVale or a Dwight, just 
run the floor, block shots. That's your focus. You're not a main player on a team. You are here to contribute defensively, get rebounds, block shots. Offensively, get rebounds from our shooters and just be athletic, run the floor, cause havoc. You are not a central piece of our franchise. No, definitely. And I think he suits better in a four-out scheme where he's going to be one of the only bigs and he's going to be surrounded with ball handlers and wings rather than playing in a two-big system because... He likes to shoot the three and he's not very good at shooting the three um, and he's not very good at defending the perimeter. So it gets to a point where it's so easy to switch on them that I just think they'd be better off trying to, to move him on and readjust. And if a coach like D'Antoni does come in, you can see that happening because he was very quick to move on from Clint Capella. So. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, the last one, this is more of a gentleman sweep or a douchebag sweep, whichever uh, phrase you want to use. This was the Bucks. And Magic, uh, obviously Game 5 was delayed, but they did finish out the series. The Magic didn't want to take a forfeit, which I thought was very, very good of them to not take yeah, a forfeit ab- option. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and it finished with 4-1, Ben. Um, the Magic obviously won Game 1, like I kind of thought would happen, just because they were on a roll and the Bucks looked awful offensively. But after one game, uh, the Bucks kind of worked out the rotations and got their team a bit more uh, into the game offensively. But I think it was evident that the Magic missed Gordon and Jonathan Isaac so much during the early games in this series. Yeah, for me, another team similar to the Pacers, they have got a lot of potential. Um, and some players really stepped up in this series. Um, Vucevic, one of my personal heroes, you know, he's one of my favourites anyway, played really, really well. Uh, like throughout every game as well. It wasn't just game on, game off kind of thing. Um, I was really impressed with Markel Fultz as well, actually. Played played really well for him. So hopefully, he again, he can kick on from here. He's still really young. He can just keep... If he keeps developing at this rate, he will be really, really good. Um, I, I just think the Magic have got to hold their heads high and, and take a lot away from this series. You know, they took one game away from that top team in the East and did it with a... Sort of limping roster, so fair play to them. Well done. Yeah, definitely. I saw some of their fans were asking for a coaching change like the Pacers with Steve Clifford, but I guess that'd be something similar to the Pacers that you kind of think is much more of a hasty decision and they shouldn't do that, right? Yeah, no, I, I think give it some more time. See where you're at, maybe mid-season, next season, and give this team and this roster a chance. Yeah, definitely, because he's not been able to make many changes with the cap space they've had. So, yeah. but this road, this take faults out of this, and obviously every year they get a draft pick. But they've um, a lot of these players have been associated with this team for a while, haven't they? So, yeah, it's not like he's made wholesale changes and got his own players in. Um, but a quick note before we move on, I think me and Ben both said like privately as well that even though this was a four-one series, offensively the Bucks still weren't great at this point. Uh, Middleton yeah. was up and down, one good game, one bad. And we couldn't believe that the Bucks were playing so many players. They were like 11, 12 men rotation in the playoffs. Like Coach Bud, we're going to go on to talk about him later, but still not an overly convincing series, even though it was 4 1. No, just there's something not clicking. I can't mm. quite put my finger on what it is. Maybe it is they need the short rotation, but then he just can't decide who he wants Which, in that short rotation. So I think he struggles with a. Um, balance offense and defense, you know, as well, because they've got a lot of players that do one or the other, yeah. and a few players that do both. And I think he really struggles with 
with Sean in that rotation, but this has been a bit of a problem long term at the Hawks as well that they had playing too many guys. But we'll probably go on to talk about them in more detail later. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, that's the four East games as predicted in our previews. There wasn't many uh, tough contests. <laughs> I think no. we had nobody winning two games who lost in any of our predictions. No one did win two games. <laughs> Uh, and they're all relatively easy and finished quite early. Um, but the West, a little bit of a mixed bag, Ben. We had a couple of tight series. So let's go on and talk about the one that finished last night. Um, absolute crazy series. Awful, awful Game 7. It's the worst Game 7 I've ever watched. But the Nuggets managed to hold on 4-3 versus the Jazz. And uh, dare I say, I told you so, Ben. What a series that was. Great I... series, awful f- final game. <laughs> After the, I've flipped and flopped throughout this series. Like on my prediction, I did have the Nuggets going through. I switched it last minute, um, but I was convinced the Jazz were coming back and were going to take this series. The way they were playing, the the way the team was working together, and they were hitting the shots. And I thought, there's no way the Nuggets can compete with this. And I think Jamal Murray must have heard. Everybody talking about how he only has one good game and they win a game. He has, and then he has a bad game and they lose that one, and that's what's going to cost them. And just stepped up big time. Um, yeah, three but, games where he averaged across three games, uh, four, five, and six, he averaged forty-one points a game, six assists. So it's really good. Like you said, that game seven was <laughs> woeful. Oh yeah, it was woeful. Yeah, Murray wasn't great himself, but. Um... Murray and Mitchell both after being built up quite a lot have had poor game sevens they were um, exhausted yeah that last sequence is nuts as well where the Nuggets didn't dribble the ball out Jazz got the ball back and Conley had a three to win the game rimmed out oh. and he could have drove to the basket it's like oh it was a good end from a uh, a poor series but uh, it was quite nice to see Nikola Jokic put, put the team on his back in game seven as well um, yeah, he's he taking a back, back seat to Murray a little bit really stepped up in that and I think like we said, I think the Jazz needed those contributions from Gobert and Mike Connolly a bit more. Connolly, very quiet in that game seven, and his shooting percentage was awful. 15%. Yeah, Gobert was was good was good in the last couple of games, but had a couple in the middle. But yeah, you're right. I think the first game back, Connolly was on fire, and obviously they won again. And you messaged me like, oh, I shouldn't have swapped back to the to the Nuggets because. Conley's made a huge difference, but then in Game Seven he was back to regular season. Mike Conley struggled so much. Yeah, it's so so frustrating because I really want him to perform like he did in that first game every time and get back to those Memphis days. And because I think he's like I think he's just a, a great person and player. Um, mm-hmm. So that's just a shame to see him keep flipping and flopping like this. Yeah, defensively he still looks good as he always does, to be honest. But offensively, like you said, it was it was just one good game and then one really bad game. There wasn't much consistency, which obviously we said before the Jazz need because they need more scoring. Yeah, and Joe Ingles wasn't great either, to be honest. In game six, they had a really quiet series, really. Yeah, he did. Yeah, a, I don't know what they do with going forward that team. We're obviously going to do a lot of off-season podcasts where we talk about stuff like this, but. I just there's got to be some sort of change there, and I always thought Gobert, get rid of Gobert, would be the one. But he was one of the only players that showed much fight offensively in Game Seven, so I'm not yeah. sure where they go. I, you kind of think does Bogdanovich coming back is that 
the game changer that they need, that instant offence. Mm. I don't know if it's enough. I don't know. It's, yeah, so it's, it's a tough one to call. Like you said, we'll, we'll delve into that in more detail at some point. Yeah, definitely. And it's a shout out to myself because I predicted on our Twitter page last night that Nuggets would win. That was 1-0 to me and it became 2-0 later on, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, the next series, Ben, is your Lakers, even though you pretend you're a Cavs fan, uh, who beat the Blazers 4-1. Um, first game, obviously, Blazers stole some of the magic. Everyone thought it was going to be a long series, including myself. Um, but injuries just killed the Blazers. We heard that Collins, obviously, before game one, was out for the, for the whole season. Um, then we heard that CJ had a broken back. Then Dame obviously hurt his knee. Um, also, they missed out on uh, Gabriel. He missed the last two games and everything went wrong for the Blazers after a really tough, tough, tough seeding game there. Uh, that's kind of what we thought might happen. They'll come in on a bit of a high and the Lakers on a bit of a low after their first eight games. And there'll be a bit of a shock. But then as a LeBron first round team does, they readjust and they figure it out and although it wasn't helped by the injuries that sort of it's a mini summary of the Blazers season really wasn't it they look so promising and they just fall apart the wheels slowly come off as they get deeper and deeper into it uh, which was mm-hmm. horrible to see from a sort of that neutral standpoint because this had sort of seven game series written all over it on paper um, and from a neutral fan as well, seeing LeBron and uh, Melo going at it occasionally was so, so good. Really good to see. But, yeah, Lakers going forward, still not looking hugely convincing, but I, I'm really, yeah, I, I'm interested to see where they go in the next round. Yeah, AD made a big difference. LeBron was pretty consistent all the way through. Yeah. But after game one, and to be honest, the eight games before, uh, where he was a bit inconsistent, AD really turned it on in the next th- uh, the next four games, which obviously they won back-to-back. Um, very efficient in the mid-range, which you don't normally want to see. You want to see him go into the basket a bit more, but when he's on and he's making those shots at high level, it's hard to turn them down. Yeah. Um, and I also think they're just, their defence, they just turned it up a notch, and that was kind of what got them the one seed in the regular season. They were always a bit hit and miss offensively but in the eight games in the in the seeding games they looked a bit off on defense as well uh and that was not the case in the last four games of this series was it i think the defense kind of got going like turned into the best in the league again and that kind of gave them better shots offensively because they weren't always picking the ball out from the basket that's it and when you can defend against a team like the blazers which is a that deep three shooting high octane offense then you defensively can compete with any team in this league, really. Yeah, definitely. And I think what proved to be a big difference was as the Blazers really struggled on the boards of like obviously missing key players and then Nurkic looked absolutely knackered. Um, they were getting so many open threes from offensive rebounds because the Lakers are so big. And yeah. I think that just gave the Lakers shooters who'd been poor for the eight games or nine games before, including game one, I think it gave them a bit of confidence and obviously they got more open shots and as soon as they start hitting them, even though I don't like a lot of their shooters, they're more defined as streaky shooters, aren't they? Even Danny Green, who's got a good history of being a three-point shooter, he's still streaky. You look at the finals last year, he was awful in the, the East finals and then when it came against Golden State, he couldn't miss. So 
I think their streaky shoot has really, really got going for them. Yeah, a potential good, turned out to be a potential good warm-up for them. Yeah, it did, yeah. I think a competitive series um, overall. Uh, and on to another competitive series, it's probably a perfect warm-up game. We have the Clippers beating my Mavs, unfortunately, 4-2, um, which kind of, I, we both said 4-2 to the Clippers, actually, in our non-biased views. And I said, I think we could take it to a game seven if KP was fit all the way through. KP yeah. was not fit for more than one. He only played one game, actually, in this series, uh, which is kind of what me and you both said. If he doesn't play well or doesn't play with play at all, that's when it becomes very, very tricky. Um but just a shout out to Luca, who once again basically confirmed himself as a top five player in the NBA now. I think if we, me and Ben did our list again, it's going to be hard to include some of these guys we haven't seen for a year or so. When you've got yes. people like Luca doing this at age 21 against probably the best wing defensive team in the league, I'd say. Yeah, he was incredible. And we, like you said, we, we said at the start, the game changer for the, the Mavs is going to be the play of Porzingis and. It obviously wasn't there. Big shout out to Big Bobby stepping up, playing good minutes, slowest screen and rolls I've ever seen. But did his job. And that was the thing with the Mavs. Everybody seemed to do their jobs and contribute where they could. Um, they played really well. And the Clippers are becoming the most hated team in the league. So, <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Morris upset me a lot. I was sending Ben a lot of abusive messages that we can't fully repeat because we're trying to be a family-friendly pod. <laughs> but there was a lot of um, sensitive language involved. Uh, and I think he was almost trying to be an enforcer for that team to get them going after they kind of realised that the Mavs weren't going to uh, lay down. Um, yeah. But some of his actions, like, it's just thuggery. And I wanted the Clippers to win and I picked them, not that series, but the title. I picked them to win the title as well. And me and Ben have spoke about Lakers v Clippers loads. And it's just going to be hard for me to, to, to support them all the way through because I think Montrezl Harrell acted like an idiot. I think Pat Bev acted like an idiot. I think, obviously, Morris is an idiot. <laughs> so, yeah, they are becoming quite hated and they were quite well-liked. Um, and I think a key battle was almost the battle of the second stars because yeah. Porzingis didn't play, which was a huge, huge, huge loss. Um, but also the games that the Mavs won were the games that Paul George didn't perform well in and shot inefficiently. And the games that Paul George shot, at least at a season average, and then the two games he shot well above his average, they won. So I think it was very much a series of, right, Kawhi's amazing, Luka's amazing, they're both top five players, top six players in the league. Who else is going to score? And I think Lou Williams and Trey Burke tried their best to help out, but obviously it was a second star battle and Paul George managed to come through in the last two games. Yeah, yeah. That that was the key for me. Like we didn't have time to get that pot in the middle, but that was one of the things I was gonna say that the 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 Clippers are still keeping games close, even with Paul George playing woefully. So when he gets back on and hits his shots, that's gonna be the game changer. And yeah, it was because Kawhi was just as he always is, quietly, incredibly efficient across the board. He did make me laugh, though, at one point. Uh, I don't know if you, you've, you've seen a clip of it going around of him complaining. He uh, gave, gave the that shot pass up. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the last minute, of the game, last shot of the game, he get, I gave the ball up for that. Yeah, uh, I think it's Reggie Jackson shot an awful three, as he does. Yeah. And then the last game, he 
by message Ben. He scored four threes in a row in the fourth quarter to win them the game. So yes. that's Reggie Jackson for you. Um, but yeah, for me, Kawhi just cemented himself again. One of the best, well, whatever order you want to take him in, but him, Durant and LeBron James in the playoffs are just different animals. Uh, they get to their spot and they score the ball or they get to the spot and they get double teamed and they pass the ball perfectly. It's just, it was hard, but to see Luca obviously basically score the same as him, outbound him, and out assist him, it was a very, very positive sign for the Mavs. And I've seen a lot of people in America almost bemoan the Mavs for not doing better in the seeding games because if they could have just got themselves into the Houston Thunder or the uh, Jazz Nuggets yeah. series, I think a lot of people see the Mavs and the Blazers in a way as round two teams, but obviously they just didn't do it enough in the regular season and just got bad matchups, unfortunately. Yeah, fingers crossed for next season, though, eh? Because they've got a lot of potential going forward again, which we've spoken about yeah. a lot already. Yeah, definitely. Bright future um, for the Mavs. I think the year after next is going to be the year for them because they've got 35 million in cap space. Next year, they're going to struggle. But Luca is just going to be a MVP candidate for years to come. Um, cool. So, last game in the West. We left it on to last because... Ben, we have another game seven. So it's currently 3 3, the Rockets seven, Thunder. Three. Yeah, exciting that we can actually record a little game seven preview after missing the last the last week. Um, game seven is this evening at 2 a.m. English time. Um, this one is on Sky as well for anyone who wants to stay up late and watch it. Uh, and it's going to be a crazy, crazy game. Uh, Harden had a poor, poor game six again, something that Ben doesn't like him in general, neither do I, but one of the reasons I struggle to like him is because he's incredible for 90% of the season. And then when it comes to Game 6 and Game 7s, he is awful. He's awful against the Warriors in Game 7. And there's a clip, I don't know if you've seen it, Ben, there's a clip going around of them trying to get him the ball in the last minute and a half. And his obviously, he's very tightly marked, but he shows no effort to get away from his man. Just lets Russell Westbrook take shot after shot yeah. after shot. And you've said it how many times that when you let Russ take shot after shot and make decision after decision, you're going to lose, especially if they block the, the rim, which they did. They did a very good job at blocking the rim off for Russ, which means he has to take threes in mid-range. And he really struggled, I think, in that game. Because the way they play, like Westbrook is technically, especially defensively, is almost like their big man. He's always looking for that rebound. Um, mm-hmm. There's a really great clip of him on the perimeter meant to be guarding I think it's Shea and he's just watching the ball bounce off the rim and Shea just moves gets completely open um, I think Adams gets the rebound because they've obviously got no big men and just open three it's just you, there's no way you're going to win if you're still selfishly sort of ball chasing like that and not doing the job that you're meant to be doing um, and the closer these games stay We've said it all along, the analytics say it, the, the more likely the Thunder are going to win. If you allow them to stay in a game, they are going to punish you when it gets those last couple of minutes. And they, they keep doing it consistently. So, wow. Yeah, the Rockets have been... Yeah, the Rockets have been quite have been quite close in all of the last three games and they just can't close out the way they play. Um, and like we said, Chris Paul, absolutely insane closer of games, and he's been immense, hasn't he, in this series? Yeah, he just takes the team on his on his back, and he he is just he's just such a good leader. He's such a good role model for the guys on his team, and 
you can see how much he wants it and he's not scared to go after it but it's not like maliciously he uses every trick in the book that is seemingly legal whether mm-hmm. you know there's those clips of him talking about he got a turnover or some extra time because the guy had his shirt untucked how many people know a rule like that he's he's just one of the greatest point guards the league's ever had 100 percent, i'm convinced of it yeah definitely he's been a key personal season like we've said in our previews and reviews in the last couple of months in terms of how good they are in clutch situations because he is so good at managing the game um but also one thing that goes missing is they've got very good free throw shooters and at the end of games when it gets tight and you've got to win those extra couple of points the whole team are just stepping up and defensively as well they've done well in the last couple of games after getting absolutely blown out in games one and two um yeah which was quite impressive, to be fair, to be able to come back and adjust like they have, because they did look dead in the water after two games. But um, we've obviously got a game seven. I think we said different predictions before it all started, Ben, but can I get you to uh, make one tonight? Who is going to win this evening and go through to play LeBron James's Lakers? Um, sticking with the Rockets are going to take it. I think James might... I, I just... I just can't write him off. He's offensively so good. And if the rest of his team can sort themselves out around him, then I think they're going to take it. What about you? I'm going to stick to my original prediction as well. I think you said Houston in seven. And I said Thunder in seven. It's quite funny. We both said in seven. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I'm going to say the Thunder steal it. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think Chris Paul wins it and, he himself hasn't got the world's greatest record in the playoffs. And I think this could be seen as one of his greatest feats with this young team, willing them to a round one seven-game win. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to stick with them. Um, just a little stat to end on before we move on that highlights this point. Um, the ringer mentioned this earlier, right? Listen to this. James Harden is a 24.6% shooter from three in the fourth quarter and overtime of playoff games over the last five seasons. Someone who shoots nearly 40% in the regular season shoots 24.6 from three in the fourth quarter and overtime. I think if he doesn't change that tonight, I think they could be in for a tough one. But you never know. Tonight could be the night where he rewrites his history. Hopefully for him anyway. That's a horrible snap for James. It is, yeah. Wow. They could win the game with someone like Russ taking over in the paint as well, though. So it's not all going to be on him, but I think when you've got that record and you're the star, I think he's just got to try and take over late on in the game, not just in the first quarter. That's 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 my view on it. Anyway, for them to win, yeah, he's got to step up the whole way through. And I don't know if that's that thing again. We have every season he's tired, and the way everyone knows he's going to be taking the majority of the shots, and they're going to be up on him and and grinding him all game to tire him out. And when he gets to those fourth quarters, those crunch time minutes, he is gassed. And just, like I said, the lack of effort shows. And then it falls on Mr. Triple Devil uh, to try and shoot. And we all know he can't. So just plays right into OKC's hands. Yeah, definitely. And last year it fell into Chris Paul's hands and he got injured. There's some men, there's no one else to help. This year it's Russ who historically is a great, great number two or three player, but really struggles when he has to make all the decisions. So 
we'll see what happens tonight. Enjoy it for any of you fans that stay up and watch because it's going to be a crazy series. CP3 and James Harden on the court at the same time. They clearly don't like each other. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, let's move on to some round two predictions. We'll quickly stay with the Rockets and Thunder series because we're not going to do much on this this one, but because um, we don't know who's obviously playing. But the Lakers versus Rockets or Thunder, Ben. Uh, Rondo probably coming back is going to be important. Um, but I'm just going to ask you, who do you think the Lakers would prefer to play, the Thunder or the Rockets? I think probably the Rockets just because they can bully them a bit more. Um, after watching them defend in that Blazers series, like we said, they can get out on the shooters when they want to. And there's no one that can stop AD and LeBron on that Houston team night in, night out. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as they can keep up... Well, they tend to quite like to play quite fast as well and get those... Um, running baskets, like I said, with the big men running the floor and stuff, they, they're always leaking out. So I, I, as long as they can keep up with the way Houston play and keep bodies on the floor long enough to guard their three-point shooters, then I think they would probably prefer to play them. Um, although Oklahoma City are more predictable in terms of the way they're going to play, it's... I, I'd be... I don't know... You, they probably would be easier to shut down because they are more predictable, but it's that Chris Paul mentality I think the Lakers might struggle against. Yeah, the Thunder might be able to deal a bit better defensively with obviously Gallinari and um, Stephen Adams starting. At least that's two, two lots of size that they can put and Noel off the bench, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And Gallinari's been playing well as well. Yeah, definitely. We did run a Twitter poll and most of the UK Lakers pages said that they would much prefer to play the Thunder uh, just because of the uh, randomness of the Houston offence being so small, which I would probably agree with that defensively for the for the Lakers, it could be a lot harder to work out over for the first couple of games. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd probably lean on that they would probably prefer to play the Thunder personally, just because I think they, they're young. Uh, and they have less, probably have less overall talent when you consider James Harden and Westbrook. But mm. I think they'll be heavily favourites no matter who they play. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Well, let's move on to the other uh, the other games. We'll stick with the West for now. Um, so after last night, we now know it's going to be the Clippers versus the Nuggets. Ben uh, Nuggets looked quite tired in Game Seven. I think that was one of the reasons why it was such a poor game. Clippers get nearly a week of rest. And arguably, Dallas was a harder series than Denver will be, a lot of people think. Uh, what are your overall views on this Clipper Nuggets series? And can I get a prediction? I think it's going to be a short one. I think the Clippers are going to take this fairly easily. I don't think they'll worry too much about Jokic. They'll kind of put a bit of a body on him with, with Harold and, and, Marcus, uh, and Morris. Zubats as well, who's done well to be fair. Uh, yeah, as well, yeah. So that's a nice little rotation to keep him sort of busy. Uh, but they'll focus on Jamal Murray and keeping him quiet. And they've got the bodies and the personnel to do that. So uh, it's, it's going to be a short one. Uh, I'm going to say sweet. Clippers in four. Oh. Yeah, I was in with an R in. I'm going to go 4-1, I think. I think the Clippers... 
still have those games where they just look off def- off offensively and lack effort on the defensive end, almost they expect to win. So yeah. I think they're going to lose one of the first two games. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go four one as well. I agree with you that they're going to be able to tire Jokic out on the other end just with their bodies, and they've got a lot of rim runners, haven't they? We see how much that Harold likes to leak out on the fast break, and I think that. Jokic could get lost defensively. We all know he's a bad defender. And I think the way the Clippers play, they could really, really exploit him on that end to tire him out. Um, yeah. I think Jamal Murray, obviously, we're not sure if he's a true superstar or not, but last series, he definitely looked like one. Uh, and I think just because how good they are defensively, we could see more of an old old Murray story where it's one good game, one bad game. And it might not be because of him. It could just be because obviously how good the Clippers can be. Uh, and if they get Pat Bev back as well, it's another body, isn't it, to throw at him? Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I think the, I think the Mavs would have beaten the Nuggets in a series. And I think that the Clippers will beat the Nuggets in, in less games. So I'm going to go for 4-1 on that one. Nice. Um, cool, let's go to the East. Uh, obviously, we've had a couple of these games already because obviously with everything going on, we couldn't quite record in time before they started. Um, prior to it starting... Uh, I believe I said Celtics in six and Ben said Raptors in seven. Uh, well, now it's 2-0 so far, Ben, to the Celtics. Yes. Um, so you're, the Raptors are probably going to have to take it to seven if they want to win. Uh, what have you seen so far in the first two games and what do you see going forward for the rest of the series? Uh, Celtics' first game, the, the sort of their kind of big three, if you will, Kemba, Tatum, uh, Brown were sensational, so so good, and Toronto shot so poorly. Um, they from three. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. Uh, they they picked it up again this game, but it wasn't quite enough. It was all sort of early on, and when it got to that those crunch time minutes, they, as the Celtics quite often do, have a randomly incredible game from Marcus Smart where he hit three. Three threes or four threes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, four threes is crazy. Um, which you wouldn't usually see from him. Which, in terms of schemes, they were sort of leaving him out there fairly open. And after he's hit two, maybe start playing him in tighter because he he can hit them when he wants to. So yeah, they. They really need to rethink this, and um, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is though. That's that's the, the problem. Sort of, is it? Does Pascal need to do more and step up? Well, yeah, definitely. He shot poorly from three, to be fair. Uh, and yeah, Lowry as well, not doing very well offensively early in games, and Fred Van Vliet not even shooting as well as he can. It's definitely seems to be an offensive thing. Um, but I obviously I've watched both games and. I would just be worried that for a team that's so good defensively, the Celtics are getting a lot of open threes. Yeah. Um, I think Nick Nurse, obviously, we, we both love him as a coach, and he just won Coach of the Year again, so shout out for him for that. Uh, I think he needs to make some adjustments on both ends, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it, I said in the summary at the start, we tweeted out, it's the battle of the coaches more so than, than the players because they're both massively talented squads so uh, mm-hmm. and and currently Nick Nurse is losing 
Uh, have you changed your prediction? Obviously, it's easier to make one when, when two games have happened, but are you sticking with your wraps in seven or has there been a change in your thought process after two games? Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll double down. Let's go for it. Why not? Wraps in seven. <laughs> Let's go, Raps baby. Nice. Um, also, by the way, Boston defence looks scary. Jason Tatum is turning into a really good defender, something maybe we didn't know was going to happen so early. And between Marcus Smart, him and Jalen Brown, like pff, defensively they look tough, tough to yeah. beat. Versatile. Uh, yeah, and I think that we said before they're the, in our opinion they were the two best teams in the the East before the season started. Um, but maybe not now. Maybe not now. Um, before we move on to the last game, to talk about in round two as well. We just mentioned obviously Nick Nurse winning Coach of the Year. Obviously, big shout out to Giannis as well for winning Defensive Player of the Year, which me and Ben <laughs> both picked that he would. Um, I think I don't know if we both picked Nick Nurse. I can't remember. One of us definitely did. I know you did. I can't oh, remember yeah. if I did. Um, and most improved went to Brandon Ingram, which we kind of said would happen because of the bookies' odds. But obviously, you quite liked Bam Adebayo for it, and I quite liked Luca for it. Um, but big shout out to Brandon Ingram as well for winning that award. Yeah. Yeah. Looking be back s- on that one, actually, there was no doubt he was going to get it. I went back over all the seasons, just thought, yeah. He was incredible for the Pelicans this year. Especially with the story, isn't it? When you get traded away because LeBron wants to win with someone else and the media can make it like that sort of story to come back and be an all-star like level player is insane for someone who's still really, really young. Um, yeah. I mean, you hate it when I say it, but it's Durant Jr. Yeah. Durant Jr. would have definitely got him into the eight, the uh, battle for the AC. <laughs> I'm not quite sure about that one. Needs to improve his three points shooting. He's not pulling up a, from thirty over LeBron to win a game two in Cleveland, a game three in Cleveland, like my man Durant did. But no, a big star for the future. Um, probably their best star because Ben does hate Zion, but that's a future podcast. Cool. <laughs> um, right, cool. Last game, um, one of the most exciting games, uh, to be honest, that I was I was looking forward to for uh, round two, just before this started. Uh, we have the Heat versus the Bucks, Ben. Um, we were both so, so wow. impressed with the Bucks in the regular season. But then, wow, having the Heat come out the last 10 games and been absolutely insane. And they've taken a 1-0 lead over the Bucks in game one. And this is, this is what I was talking about earlier. Everybody playing their role and, mm-hmm. and working together and being honest with each other. Because Jimmy turned to his team and said, I'm taking over this game. I'm shooting shot. <laughs> and everybody went... Yeah. Okay, makes sense. And he got forty. Like realistically, how often this? Well, how often this season has Jimmy scored forty? His average scoring has been what in the high teens, low twenties. Just because yeah, yeah, low twenties, so yeah, twenty-one, twenty-two, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's not a high three-point shooter either. So a lot of his points come in the one and the two-point game and the the free throws in the mid-range. So to get forty for him in a playoff game, very, yes. very good and. He's so good defensively as well. People almost, when they hear him want to take over a game, they're going to say yes because they know he's a team player. He's going to work on both ends, isn't he? He's exactly. not just a scorer. Um, and the the rest of the Bucks, apart from Brooke Lopez, of all people, just looked a bit lost. Didn't mm. really know how to deal with this Heat team. It was a bit of a shock for them, I think. Um, they... I don't know, they just they're not clicking they're not clicking on offence and that rotation's still 11 men 
that's so deep. That's so deep for the playoffs. Like the Heat have, have got a deep roster, and they've had to like take people out who would normally play just to shorten it because that's what you do in the playoffs. But Coach Bird in the playoffs, he just doesn't change his system, doesn't change his defensive rotations very often, and he doesn't decrease uh, increase minutes that much. I've and, like, been waiting not... for Giannis. I've been saying it all along to to have that huge game where he just is dominant, 40 points, like 15 rebounds, three blocks, and just be a beast. And it's not happened. And yeah, I, I think we saw it a little bit in the Magic um, in the Magic series towards the end. But it's hard. It's very hard. Um, I've read some good articles that building around your... Um, having a big man as your star, sorry, on the offense who can't shoot. It's really, really tough. And we, I was thinking about this on the NBA UK fans. Uh, shout out to them on their group chat. And how many people in the last few years that have won a championship have had their has had um, their main player as a big man who can't shoot? So I know he doesn't play centre with Lopez, but he basically is a centre now. He's seven foot. Mm. And look at the last few years. You've got, obviously, the Raptors winning it with Kawhi, who's a wing player. You've got the Cavs winning it with LeBron, who plays like a point guard, but is built like a wing player. So... Either way, and obviously with the Warriors before it was Steph, who's a point guard, and then their second best player was a wing. And then when Durant came, it was best player who's a wing, second best player is a point guard. Like it's very, very tough to have a very one uh, dimensional scoring player as your best player. And that's why I just think they're going to struggle. And how many times have me and you said in the bubble that they don't look right offensively? And I think yeah. late in the game, they struggle, don't they? And I wrote down a couple of key things I want to get your thoughts on. That is the key to this series, because we know Giannis is going to get his rebounds. He is going to get blocks. He's going to score. Is it Jimmy versus Middleton? We saw Jimmy shut Middleton down well throughout the season. And if Middleton doesn't play well and doesn't score enough points, like we said, Giannis can't do all on his own and the Bucks struggle. So Jimmy shutting down Middleton, you think that could be key for the, for the series? Yeah, that is hugely key. You look up and down that roster of the Bucks, you... It is a good roster. They built are are building a good team, but who's going to pick up that scoring slack? Who we've said before as well. I, well, I've definitely said I I think Middleton is more of a maybe a third go to guy on your team. Um, he can create space and, and shots and stuff when he needs to, and has been playing pretty well, but. Like you said, if, if he's shut down, who then? Yeah. Very I mean, it was, it was Brook Lopez in this game. The Brook Lopez of old, back when he was the the star on the Nets, the new the new Brooklyn Nets, the shiny shiny Brooklyn Nets. Paul Pierce. Um, but even then, but, it's hard, isn't it? When you've got so many three point shooters on the other side, and I think Middleton was really really good before before the bubble all season, playing in that bud system that works so well in the regular season, but come playoff time when the games are, are tighter and it's ref differently and rotations are shorter, I think he's proved in the last six, seven games that he has almost similar to what he said about Paul George and Jamal Murray in the bubble before. It's one good game, one bad game, and if he has a bad game, they struggle to score. In this game, obviously, Giannis, scoring-wise and foul-trouble-wise, had a bad game. Yeah, and they just couldn't, they, they just couldn't keep up. Um, and another thing I wrote down before I've got a question to ask you actually at the end, but one last thing I wrote down was obviously the Heat are the best three-point percent shooting team in the in the well in the NBA. 
obviously, and in the playoffs now, they're left. The Bucks give up the most three-point shots. That's just the way they play. They want to guard the paint and give up those threes. And do you think that could that could kill them in this series? Jimmy, I think, said it in the series before that he's out there to protect his shooters because he knows that's what is going to win them the games in this day and age. And if Milwaukee don't react and shut down at least their two big three-point threats in Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, at least those two, then they're in serious trouble. Serious trouble. Yeah, I agree. And I think that partly that comes back to Coach Bird in the playoffs, not making adjustments and playing the system. If your defensive system gives up the most threes, but the Heat are the three-point shooting team, you've got to change that system in some way to not give up so many threes. I don't care if it gives up more bam dunks. If it's going to stop those three-point shooters getting hot, I think you've got to do it. But yeah, we'll see. Um, last question on this series before I get a prediction from you is, what did you make of the interview where Giannis was asked? They said, oh, did you not think about switching on to Butler? Because obviously the Stars are the best defensive player in the league this year. Yeah. Did you not want to shut down the star? And Giannis' response was, oh, no, I do, I'm not going to do what my coach says, doesn't want me to do. My coach wanted me to guard who I guarded, so that, that's where we, where we did it. Did you think that's bad on Giannis? Do you think that highlights Coach Bud's lack of change in the playoffs? Or do you think that's just fair enough and Jimmy just went off and there's nothing more to it? I think it's highlighting Bud's lack of awareness to change his system and his coach the way he coaches in the playoffs. I think it highlights the loyalty that Giannis has for his coach and the respect he has for him, that he he trusts him wholeheartedly that that's the right thing to do. But it also Definitely. highlights how sort of young and naive Giannis might be still. Because if that had been you know the the more experienced vets in the league, the Chris Pauls, the LeBrons, they would Even have got the Jimmy Butler's. <laughs> the Jimmy Butler, exactly. They would have gone, no, scrap that. This is what we're doing on the court. I'm the leader. This is how I want to do it. And even if you give it a go for half uh, a two possessions or whatever, yeah, then that and then say right, no, sorry, it's not working. We'll go back to what coach wants. Do it. Like you've got you've got to try something. Definitely. Um, I agree with you there, to be fair. To be fair. I think it is hard to completely adjust from your system, but sometimes when someone's dribbling up the ball or in a situation where it's a fast break, you've just got to say, right, I've got him, Like even even if it's outside of the system. Um, but yeah, I agree that you can tell Giannis absolutely loves Bud and we're not sure what's going to happen, but if they do bow out of the playoffs at this stage or later on, I think, and it's because of Bud, I think. Yeah. The players will still support him. I just think that, that, that could be maybe maybe what it is, more of the system. Um, all right, well, the Heat are 1-0 up. Uh, we didn't do a tweet for this. We didn't announce who we were picking before. Uh, we both kind of love the Heat. We talk about them a lot, to be fair. And we have spoken about the Bucks being a bit, bit of a worry the whole way through in Orlando. So I kind of think I know where both of us are going. But can I get an, a final prediction for this series from you? So my original prediction was... Bucks in five. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's definitely changed. Are, you st- are they still winning? Or have you flipped? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to flip on this one. 
and uh, Heat in six. Oh, that's tough. I wanted to go Heat in six as well, but I like oh. being different to Ben. So I'm going to go, we're going to get a game seven. Because I did think the Raptors would game would go to seven, but I don't see it now, to be honest. So I think <laughs> we're going to get one game seven in the East. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Heat in seven, but I really want to say six. But I'm going to go in seven. I think Giannis has a couple of big games. Yeah. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, one last, we'll end our uh, podcast there. But before that, one little note is uh, our competition, Ben. Ooh. Obviously, we've got the uh, round one jersey giveaway. There's only one game left in round one, so we're nearly there. Um, Donovan Mitchell is still in the lead. He's pretty much been leading, well, he has been leading the whole way through. Um, we've spent many times being like, oh, we think this person could get back into it, this person. And then Donovan Mitchell has another 40, 50 point game. We're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so Mitchell is currently leading Jamal Murray uh, by 33 points, but obviously that series is over. Um, Murray tried to catch him but qu- couldn't quite do it so the only person left that can catch him funny enough for this podcast is James Harden if he scores 63 points he would win the competition anything less than 63 points Mitchell wins I think I know what you're going to say uh, is M- Mitchell going to hold on or is Harden going to have the biggest playoff game of his life and score 63 points well yeah if if he goes for 63 they they're going through to the next round but <laughs> that ain't happening. No, I agree. I think he needs 32 points to take over Jamal Murray and finish second, which I think he could could do. But I think I think Mitchell's got it sewn up as well. Um, but we won't announce it officially until after that. But um, big shout out to, to Chris, who's a podcast listener, who predicted John Donovan Mitchell. He's the only one. We had a lot of people, didn't we, Ben, guess the same names? The yeah. Lillards, the Lucas, the Anthony Davis was quite popular. Kawhi, not so much. James Harden, really popular. Giannis, really popular. Tatum had a couple of Celtics fans, like Rich Barrett, shout out to him, uh, guessing. Um, but yeah, big shout out to Chris for being the only one to go with Donovan Mitchell. What he a pick. Prove, yeah, as I say, when you think about the whole idea of a tiebreaker uh, and trying to find a player that no one else would pick, I think he's done absolutely incredibly well to pick out a name that no one else said. Yeah, absolutely nailed it. But yeah, we'll tweet tomorrow who wins, whether it's Chris or if James Harden does score 63. There's about 15 people that have said James Harden. So <laughs> we'll be in for a uh, tiebreaker. So we'll find yeah, out tomorrow. Maybe put it into a hat and pull someone out. Yeah, yeah. We, think we'll, we were going to do another comp straight after, but it would, we think it would long it out too much for the people that have been waiting. So it'll be some sort of random generator if uh, Chris doesn't win. Um, but yeah, cool. So everyone enjoy uh, tonight's game seven in the West and obviously game two in the East. It's going to be a good night of basketball. Uh, and we're going to try and do it again early next week, aren't we, Ben, after a weekend of basketball to try and review these series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely get back to our more consistent ways ourselves with this podcast. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Just as the playoffs heat up. Cool. Yes. All right. Well, everyone, enjoy the basketball as always. Uh, we'll speak to you soon. Nice to see ya.